Hey, it's Tim Benz of Breakfast with Benz at Trib Live and the Pittsburgh Steelers Football Network. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Pittsburgh CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the Pittsburgh teams. If you're from Pittsburgh or a fan of any Pittsburgh sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Pittsburgh CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Another Madden Monday podcast, Tim Benz with you, Mark Madden from 105.9 The X with us, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com for your wagering entertainment as football season continues and the Steelers continue to make up ground in the AFC North. They did that and a little bit more against the Cleveland Browns winning back a Well, a measure of revenge, how much and how practical that is, is up for you to debate. I don't think it was all that after what they did to the Steelers at Heinz Field in the playoff game, but an important victory for the Steelers nonetheless in the regular season. Mark joins us right now. And Mark, uh, when you saw the game today against the Browns, did did anything top you as far as a storyline aside from how the Steelers managed to dance their way through the raindrops after screwing up that fake field goal and nearly getting their kicker killed? Well, first off, a regular season win never avenges a playoff loss. Uh, The importance of the latter is just way beyond. So all the Steelers did today was win an important regular season game. And, you know, the way their season started after the uh, upset win of Buffalo, you know, I think that should be enough for now anyway. Um, I thought that decision to kick the fake field goal, well, not kick the field goal, and indulge one of the dumbest fakes I've ever seen in football history. It was just about the stupidest decision you could possibly make. You put your kicker at unnecessary risk, and he uh, was out the rest of the game, and who knows if he'll be out beyond uh, today, given the concussion protocol that Chris Boswell is in. I just don't think you take that kind of risk with your kicker, especially a kicker of that quality who's not easily replaced. Uh, that was going to be a low-scoring kind of humdrum game. Three points meant a lot. The Steelers should have taken the three points when they were available right then and there. And really, they were lucky what happened didn't lead to unmitigated disaster and ultimately losing the game. It, it kept them from doing the right thing, you know, based on scoring situation because they did not have a kicker. I thought that they should have drop kicked the one time. Like Charlie Blue Eyes in the original August Yard. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that. But yeah, that was a possibility, sure. Yeah, but but it was just, I mean, Tim, is there anything about that decision now looking back or even looking at it? I mean, when it happened, as it happened, I couldn't believe they were doing it. Does anything justify that decision? Even scoring the touchdown, it's still a dumbass move. Well, that was what I was about to say is that in a weird way, they ended up going for a touchdown when they needed it because they couldn't kick the field goal. But then if you want to go through back, over the line score, you could have given them three points if they had just kicked the field goal there. And, of course, the extra point after the Najee Harris touchdown, so that differential comes out in the wash. Uh, No, I can't justify it. You know what else I can't justify, Mark, is the mentality around it. And this was not asked directly of Mike Tomlin following the game. Uh, Of course it wasn't. But I want to know, when was the decision made to go for the fake? Because if you're going for the fake on fourth down and you know that's a possibility, it's in the cards, you're considering it, then you've got to do something more than running Najee Harris on third and 17 on the previous play. 
or did you just make up your mind on the spot during the timeout in between? And if you did that, my gosh, that's impulsive. I think they made up their mind on the spot, and I think the circumstance you described, the call on the play before that, absolutely 100% confirms that. And, uh, you know, the Steelers won, and that's all I see on Twitter. Uh, they won, shut up, a win's a win. But that's why people still think Tom was a good coach. He mangles stuff like this all the time, although not like this, not to this degree. But he does mangle stuff, and he gets bailed out by his team, not by his coaching expertise. It was just an awful, awful decision. And, yeah, they did get out of Cleveland with the win, and I guess that is paramount unless they lose the game next week against Chicago because Boswell can't kick. They were pontificating in the booth, Mark, the play-by-play booth with Nance and Romo that during a lull, I don't know if it was a called timeout. Yeah, it was a called timeout on fourth down. I thought about that because the Steelers were almost in a situation if they had allowed a touchdown at the end of the game when they've only had one timeout with no kicker to go for a touchdown to win in a two-point differential against Cleveland. That's how much of a bind they got themselves in. But when Roethlisberger called the timeout as the play clock was winding down before the Fryermuth great catch for the score, um, it, they were saying in the booth they thought that Harvin was going to come in to try the kick, and Ben talked him out of it. Uh, again, I don't know if that was discussed. Yeah, I, I think that I would bet that's true. I don't have any you know inside knowledge to that effect, but I bet that's true. Boy, if he was even thinking about letting Harvin go for it there after everything else they had done, that could have been. And he's not a good coach anymore. I don't know how many ways there are to say it. Say it. I don't know how many times it has to be proven again. He's not a good coach anymore. He's hit his sell-by date here in Pittsburgh, certainly. I know this, Mark, in the press conference on Tuesday. I'm going to ask him if he thinks that fake field goal cost him a chance at the LSU or USC jobs. I think it cost him a chance at any job where they want the coach to know what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, see, I can't believe that. I can't believe people are defending it under the premise of they won. What's the difference? And we all know who's defending it, Tim, the usual suspect. Oh, no. It's the, come on. It's got no, there's no way to defend that call just because they won. That's, the, that's a classic example of winning in Tim, spite of a moment. Anyway. There's, they just won, and okay, we're happy. That's fine. But they won in spite of that decision, period. Um, and, well, it's like, it's like you know, you, you don't justify everything by winning. And you don't justify everything. Here's another thing I've heard quite a bit, Tim. Well, if it's a touchdown, you're not complaining. Well, that's true. And if I walked out in the middle of traffic and somebody handed me a bag that contained $100,000 in cash, that would be a good reason to walk out in the middle of traffic. But it's more likely I'm going to get struck down and killed. You also don't give up three easy points in a game that totaled 25. You know, like, I mean. Well, right. It's clear the direction that game was headed. You're right. It was to a score of 15 to 10 or something like that. On the plus side, Mark, I'll give kudos to the defense for the Steelers for holding up in the run game. Defense is great. I mean, the defense truly is elite. Uh, Hayward and Watt are as good as there is in football at their respective positions. Um, I thought that they contained the Cleveland ground game, but, Tim, wouldn't you also agree that Cleveland didn't run the ball with the commitment, let alone the quality that it usually does? Certainly not the quality. I would agree on the commitment as well, and this is something that I said quite a bit, Mark, filling in for you on your show this week, that in a weird way, having a better quarterback, and he might not be better by all that much, Baker in front of Case Keenum, that just ta- that, that talks Stefanski into allowing Baker to throw more than he should. Oh, Tim, I wrote in, in the trip in today, uh, my hot take, that uh, when you played the P- Baker Mayfield, 
with that when an unspoken commitment to feeding him X amount of big play attempts. And I think if you flip it to the other side, Mark, the Steelers didn't run great, but they stayed committed to it. It's the exact opposite of what the Browns did, and it's the exact opposite of what we've seen from the Steelers for years. They got three and a half yards, and they were happy with it and kept doing it, and I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, I also think today's maybe not the best game Ben's had statistically, but it's the game where I trusted him most to make the plays that, that he needed to. Like when he dropped back and the completion was needed, I felt like he was going to do it. I haven't felt that way very often this year. The other thing that continuing to run the ball allowed the Steelers to do was stay away from Miles Garrett wrecking the game, and he could have, if given more of an opportunity, he ate Dan Moore alive in the red zone once, and then on the two-point conversion after Kendrick Green drew a penalty and they got moved back. I don't know if you realized this, Mark, or saw this, noticed this as I did. It just drove me crazy. There's no reason to go empty set in that situation. Leave somebody in to chip Miles Garrett and give Ben Roethlisberger a chance because Moore needs the help. He's a rookie going up against an all-pro. Well, yeah, but that said, Miles Garrett didn't have a great day, and a lot of that was the Steeler game plan negating him as opposed to Dan Moore. Well, one way to get Dan Moore on the bench is actually, if you're going to bother activating Zach Banner, have Zach Banner start at right tackle and move Chooks to the left side. That's 22 straight games Zach Banner hasn't played. Either he's going to be hurt forever, but they say it was a healthy scratch, correct? Uh, I didn't get a quote from anybody saying healthy scratch. He was just a scratch and he practiced. So I guess, and he had said all week that Banner was able to play. So I guess that's how you got to qualify him. Well, Tim, from that, I'm going to conclude that he sucks. <laughs> because if, if you're going to keep him as a scratch, the way Chook is, Chooks is playing, which is not very good, then he sucks. And Timmy does suck. Look at the guy's pedigree. It's non-existent. He got cut by the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. He sucks. People think that he's better than he is because he's out there living the life and has his own radio show and is on Twitter and at the Penguin game and yada yada. But that's all he is. He's a studio gangster. Mad Monday podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Mark, last thing I'll mention on this, Joe Schobert making his biggest play as a Steeler too, stripping that ball and Watt pouncing on it for the fumble recovery. The Steelers needed that in a huge way and also got some help from OBJ and uh, Jarvis Landry too, unable to come up with a few passes from Mayfield late. Yeah, to me, if, if I'm the Cleveland fan base, I'm just looking to OBJ and Jarvis Landry who are two big mouth egomaniacs. I'm saying, what the frick? You know, OBJ, all you do is you want the ball, you want the wall, you want the ball. Now, today it came to your crucial situations, and you couldn't hang on to it. And Jarvis Landry couldn't either, and he's a big moth as well. Two things. We- I, I, you know, if Baker wasn't great, but I can't put it on Baker. Baker left it all out there. Yeah, he absorbed that huge hit from Fitzpatrick on the sideline, got up, seemed to tough it out, and then... How was that not a late hit, by the way? I don't know. I thought they were really inconsistent with how they adjudicated those kind of penalties. One thing they were... I thought a blind guy could have called that one. Yeah, and I thought that, honestly, it should have been... Gene Steratore said this, too. It should have been roughing the passer on Boswell. Yeah, for sure. So I I agree with that analysis, and I do... Which goes to show, Tim, if you look at all the stupidity that went on in that game, there was a lot of uncalled stupidity, too. And they allowed everything in the secondary. I think part of the reason the score was as low as it was, Mark... The secondaries, both of them, were allowed to get away with everything against the receivers. Yeah. 
That said, I give the Steelers D-backs credit for figuring that out and playing by yeah, those rules. Because exactly. So, sometimes, you see, the unfair thing about the refs not calling anything in the secondary is when one secondary figures it out and the other doesn't. No, that's a good point. Uh, two things, Mark, that we can count on again as proven this weekend. The Bengals are going to bangle and Pitt is going to pit. Well, I don't want to lambaste the Bengals too much for losing to the New York Jets with Post-Gazette High School sports writer Mike White at quarterback. <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, they're still a young team in their developmental phase. So while that is just a horrific loss, given where they're at in the standings and their chance to get a playoff spot conceivably, I think they had overachieved up to this point and were due a bad moment. Pitch pit. I'm mad at the Bengals because they screwed up a parlay for me. I took all those huge lines and made them into a parlay on the money line, and that loss cost me. But... Um, yeah, I think you're right about what you said, though. That is a sign that they have not yet arrived and that they are still a young team trying to prove they're a contender instead of being a division contender. Yeah, as far as Pitt goes, Tim, I still think Pickett will easily win the Heisman. I just don't think they're going to get to the playoffs now. There was no way they were getting to the playoffs in the first place. And when I saw that ESPN column come out, I said, okay, that's the final jinx. If you were assuming that they were going to roll through Miami, you now know that the pick curse is coming back because if they're talking about the playoff and Pitt, you can't even mention that in the same breath without laughing. Well, Tim, here's how I look at Pitt's season. People, you know, want to pretend that they're a good team with a couple bad losses. I think they're a bad team with a couple wins they probably shouldn't have gotten. Uh, but you look who they did lose to. They lost to three-win Miami, four-win now, and they lost to a Mac school. How can you imagine they're a good football team with those two losses? You can't. I don't think it's out of the realm of consideration, Mark, that they either lose to North Carolina and end up not getting to the ACC title game or they lose directly to Virginia, and Virginia ends up representing that division in the ACC title game. I wouldn't rule that out. Virginia can score lots of points. Well, I don't give a rat's ass what they do, Tim. And it's just typical Narduzzi. I, I don't want to say typical Narduzzi choking, but isn't he the defensive guy? How is his defense not better? If it wasn't for Kenny Pickett, they might not have won a game. And I'm not kidding. I think Pitt fans are so focused on that safety that they're not willing to look at what the defense did wrong. They're looking at the defense to be wronged by the refs on that call, whereas the defense, and they got a bad call and a personal foul on hitting the quarterback too. But still, to your point, you can't give up that many points to Miami. You just can't. You're playing a three-win team at your place with a lot on the line. There's no excuse good enough for having lost. Whether it's a safety, which was a bad call, the other stuff you're talking about, those excuses just aren't good enough. And it's applying to Penn State, too, Mark. Not so much the game against Ohio State. I thought they played well. I thought they accounted themselves well against Ohio State. But all that did was magnify how crappy they were the week before against Illinois. Oh, no question. No qu I mean, they're, they're just another foot. They're, what, three losses now, right? Three losses in conference, yeah. They're just another football team. Well, Pitt might end up playing Penn State in a bowl game after all, but it might be like the Belk Bowl or something like that or in Mobile again or whatever. That would be a game I would make it a point to not watch. <laughs> Mark, how about the Penguins? What did you think of Sidney Crosby's return and how that game wrapped up? I thought he was sloppy. I thought he left Marino out to draw a couple times with some uh, risky passes, and the one time it cost the Penguins a goal, although Marino has to play smarter there and has to play smarter in general. In fact, uh, I thought the penalty shot call was a bit shaky. That doesn't mean Jari's not allowed to stop the penalty shot. And it also doesn't mean you should be conceding a two-on-one break, especially what I call a long two-on-one break, Tim. You know what I mean? It was like a two-on-one from the 
you know, from the from the dots in that just suddenly developed, right? Right, right. It was just this long two-on-one that Sid had to really backtrack. I'm not sure who the other defenseman was there, but I'd like to know where he was. How do you concede that odd man break with three minutes left in a tie game? I know there was a lot of uh, kvetching about the penalty shot. I think Crosby had words to the effect of it's a penalty maybe, but he didn't think it was a penalty shot. What'd you think? Yeah, and I think that's fair. I don't think it was a penalty shot either. That's not the point. As soon as they got a few wins, and now when a few more good players got back, they think they have the team they used to, and they started trying to open it up. Well, that's exactly where I was going to go with the next thought is, you know, are the days gone already of us praising their style of play and them playing within it, especially now that Crosby and Carter are yes, back? Yes, they are gone. <laughs> Uh, how about the how about the praise for Jari? Is that gone too? I thought he played below average. I thought there were a few goals there that should have been stopped, and he looked absurdly bad on the penalty shot. All right, Mark, um, what's the, what's next for you? I don't know, Tim. I'm still recovering from an illness that is nobody's business. Mm-hmm. This idea of barely working at all, though. I mean, I've been doing the trip stuff because I can do it at home. I mean, I'm quarantined. I have to be here. That's not all that bad. And this radio station still pay me because they have to. It really couldn't work out any better. <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, you know, I'm going to be back probably sooner, not later. All right. Well, we are all rooting for your return. And uh, what have you been doing during the downtime? Nobody cares. Tim, I'll tell you one thing. Listen to this. Yeah. This doesn't reflect on you. But you know how when you're sick, you get like a dozen people say, oh, anything I can do, you know, let me know, right? Yeah. Well, I, I happen to need some stuff. And I call like four people. Well, I got this going on. I got that going on. So, you know, the heck with it. I'll just make do with what I got till I'm able to leave the house. Well, what do you need? I can bring it back. All that crap about, oh, I'll help you. That's a bunch of crap. Uh, Mark, so long as it's not three to six on Monday or Tuesday when you're when I'm in for your show, what do you need? I can bring it by. No, Tim, I'm boycotting help. <laughs> okay. You're doing it all on your own then, huh? Yeah, now help can go screw. <laughs> Uh, your help can go screw, and he will be back on the air soon enough. Uh, we can also count on Mark for Madden Ben's Unfiltered. That makes a triumphant return on Monday morning as well. You can catch that on the Trib Live Facebook stream. This has been the Madden Monday podcast on Trib Live, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. <laughs> 